Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Knife Nuts Podcast, a show that brings you the best and worst that the knife community has to offer. Tonight we are joined by the insanely talented father and son duo, William and Eric Touch. It's impressive because I didn't tell you tell you guys what they're talented at. You know, be interesting to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so how's everybody doing? I'm alive. I'm ill, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm okay. William, Eric, welcome to the fold. Nice to be We're here. happy to have you. So, what's what's new in everybody's knife world? Not much for me, actually, this week. Um, I had my yearly Losing My Nice Pen event, which seems to happen just about once a year. I will, I will lose the pen that I love and use every day, which is probably the most important part of my EDC gear. And this year, I replaced it with a, a tactile turn slider. It's a bolt action pen. It's my first bolt action pen. It's titanium. It's nice. I actually, I really like it. I've seen like mixed reviews, but I guess I'm not enough of a pen weirdo to so hold on, to be hold upset on, about on. it. <laughs> you you lose your pen. It on just a happens. Basis, and this yeah. is an event to you. I mean, I know it. I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. So I just prepare for it by having like hundred bucks set aside to buy a new pen because it's the most oh, useful thing. Hundred dollar pens. I mean, you know, how often do we use about, how often do we use our multiple hundred dollar knives in comparison yeah, to how sure. often we use a pen? So multiple hundred, yeah, yeah. Thousands. Talk about first. Talk about first world problems. Right? Seriously, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I generally try and replace it as soon as possible because I find having a pen is much more useful than having a knife. Surprisingly, so yeah, I, I like the one I got and. Uh, it, it writes nicely. I, I thought I wanted to switch it out for a regular refill. It comes with these Schmidt easy flow which is kind of like a hybrid rollerball ballpoint but it actually writes so smoothly that i'm kind of getting used to it my handwriting is still fucking terrible though and so, uh, so do we get into the um age-old question what's mightier the pen or the sword i aha <laughs> i have like 50 something knives and one pen i use my pen more so i'm gonna go ahead and say the pen there's the wow. definitive answer but but he loses it once a year yeah and i've never lost a knife so go figure I don't know. I didn't cut myself with a pen in the kitchen last night. <laughs> the irony is strong. It's <laughs> always a concern. And then the other thing is I got my Sabenza back from Chris Reeve. And I, I know I do the whole bit about being obsessed with them, but I had the blade replaced and they charge you extra to replace the thumb studs. Like if I'm having the blade replaced, just throw the thumb studs in for free. Jesus Christ. It was <laughs> an extra $35 to get the dual thumb studs replaced. So I spent $190 to have the blade replaced on my Sabenza. Oh my God. Yeah. You could get a whole new Sabenza for that. Yeah. For about <laughs> 150 more, I could have just gotten a new knife. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that expensive. I didn't think that they didn't include the thumb studs when you, when you get the blade replaced. Also, I'd like to point. I would also like to point out that we've made it maybe two minutes into this podcast and we have two incredibly talented knife makers on this show. And you've mentioned Chris Reeve within, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is just going to, this is just going to happen. We're 10 episodes in. It's not going to change guys. It's going to happen. Just get, <laughs> just, just get used to Chris Reeve being brought up. I mean, that's what I primarily carry, but yeah, I, I was not super thrilled about my $35 thumb studs. So that's it for me. I'm trying, uh, I'm just, I've been spending most of my time looking at phones. So that's my uh, new obsession. Please, life. please don't, let's not get started in that. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but that's, that's quite a, a short list compared to last time, buddy. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I, I realize I should probably try and save money and not spend nine tenths of my monthly income. So, you know, 
I'm trying to make good on that. Yeah. Jake, uh, besides the plague, what else have you got? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I carried nothing more than the plague today, actually. I, I, uh, it was so bad that my wife had to come home from work and nurse me. So, um, no, no, no knife in my pocket while I was in bed coughing. Uh, 20 to 30 percent of my lungs out and uh, uh, I don't know I guess the closest would have been the typhoon the Nado typhoon on my uh, nightstand the field field grade one you've so been uh, I... but you've been building uh, uh, what do you call it quadcopters yes oh well, yeah it's not not that I haven't received any packages it's just that uh, they weren't knife related, and I and I was ill today, so nothing terribly exciting. I, I, I'm on an electronics kick, I guess, at the moment. So um, that's that's where most of my uh, obsession, obsessive time, has been going lately. We kind of come and go. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, some of those things are coming out really good. Yeah, it's 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 comfortable because the. Uh, the materials we're used to dealing with on a daily basis are titanium and carbon fiber and 7075 aluminum and uh, even even if you delve into flashlights a lot of that carries over and uh, and this is really pretty much all the same it's all just carbon no no titanium on quads yet at least but believe me I find an excuse to make a titanium to <laughs> something that breaks I definitely will and I'll send you a picture speaking of which I got a new flashlight. Did you? I did, yeah. and I have to tell you, it is flipping badass. So I got one of the. I think it's like one of the only two that have been delivered. Uh, Why have I not just seen now? This? You're just gonna. You're I, just gonna I posted drop it last night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I just posted it last night. It's okay. the Astrolux MF-01. I just, I just want to daydream oh, about Christ. what MF is is. Uh, stands for but uh this is a 12,000 lumen and i think what what did i say it was like 15,000 candela and it has 53,000 53,000 candela yeah thank you and it's a uh, it's 18 nichia uh 210s what was it nichia where were they hold on either way it's got 18 emitters in it and uh it's bright as hell it looks and I ridiculous think I think it's actually more useful and brighter than the DT70. Oh shit! I mean, all of the that, flashlight that companies, <laughs> all of the companies seem to overdeliver or overpromise on the lumens and underdeliver. One thing I can say with the utmost certainty is that the build quality makes the DT70 look like like it's made of paper mache. I mean, it does look like the base of a flashlight. I'll give you that. Yeah, did you see what Jim Skelton's comment was? It was oh God, pretty, the, is it, was, is it, it the was, exact same thing I just said? It's very similar, but it was it was. I mean, it references the vagina. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut that part out. I don't want to be making the same jokes as Jim Skelton. <laughs> it wasn't the same j joke. Okay, thank God. It was funny. Anyway, other than question, that, I've yeah, yeah, Brian. Question for you: um, Do they do, do they burn in after a while and get lighter, or do they kind of stay consistent throughout the life? Ooh, are uh, you asking if, if LED emitters have a break-in period? What a good-looking question, Brian. Good thing Jake has the plague, so he can't even explain it. 
<laughs> That's why I asked it. <laughs> Don't make me laugh because I will start coughing. I'm going to be on mute the whole night, by the way, because I'm, I'm coughing intermittently. But... Um, for once, I don't. I don't have too much to say about it, but it is very likely that a lot of them do have something like a break-in period. Not all of them, but it's possible. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's that's that's, uh, that's and I doubt rather concise, Jake. Rather concise. William, Eric, do you guys dabble in any other um, hobbies, so to speak? You know, like Jake and I, we 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 dabble in the flashlight thing. He also builds quadcopters, as I mentioned. But uh, what do you guys like to do other than make amazing knives? As far as collecting things, it's not really uh, anything that I've personally been uh, a part of. But definitely living in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of outdoor activities. And one of my, my biggest hobbies is going out and mushroom hunting, getting golden chanterelles and lobster mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome. Mushrooms are pretty freaking amazing. Make your way out to the coast, go crabbing, get some fresh dungeness, get some oysters. You know, it's it's all about doing outdoor stuff for us. I think. What, what do you use a twelve thousand lumen flashlight for? Anything I want. Oh, yes, are we breaking up? Especially uh, when you're camping, if you need to start a anything fire you want, <laughs> and you don't have matches, you just yeah, use so the flashlight to, to light uh, some some shrubbery, and you're good to go. Here you go, burn some paper and get it started with the 12,000. Now we do like a, a seamless transition. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. So, I'll do the elevator music again. Never <laughs> happened. <laughs> never happened. Not IT, guys. Come on. <laughs> so what you're saying is, you know, outdoor stuff over there actually means outdoor stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, what we do is we go outside and shine flashlights at each other. <laughs> it's basically 12,000 lumen tag. That flashlight tag? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you get the uh, International Space Station with that thing? Or, or Jake's neighbors, and they end up uh, getting pretty pissed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, making knives and, and going hiking, you know, getting things... Uh, Having having some fun in nature. I've started doing some duck hunting recently. Step up into the outdoor activities. I got myself a twenty gauge shotgun, and I've been going duck hunting. Oh, nice! That's what kind all. of twenty gauge did you get? Uh, it's a Stevenson. Pretty nice. I've never I've never actually fired a twenty gauge. It's it's nice. I like I I kind of prefer it to the twelve gauge. It's got just as much power, really, and and it's easier to con control and, and aim. You know. Yeah, here here in PA, twenty gauge is actually um, the holy grail because we have some uh, abnormally strict rifle uh, regulations for deer hunting. So um, a, a twenty gauge slug gun is actually superior to all of our other options. Um, <laughs> Shotguns for deer, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, they 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 sell rifled uh, slugs uh, for a twenty gauge and. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Savage makes a really nice bolt action model, so you really get the whole experience as though it were just a, uh, you know, regular old bolt action rifle, and it's good out to about 125 yards, I would say, even though it's a technically, you know, smooth bore, uh, wow, smooth bore gun. That'd be a hell of a way to go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> With a, a 20 gauge slug, yeah. <laughs> it sounds very humane, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's much more humane than the plague that you're currently going to die from. Yeah, as, as opposed to slowly dying from the plague and wa- watching my... Uh, well, I don't have to watch my kids get it because I actually got it from my kids, I think. But there we go. <clears throat> my well, poor wife. I'm surprised, I'm surprised I don't have it because Lana basically sneezed into my mouth yesterday. Yeah, that's and that's where I think I got it was pr- pretty much the same thing. Like her idea, I have a, a one year old whose idea of giving you a kiss is to stick her nose in your mouth, <laughs> and so if she is sick, you're definitely getting sick. It's, yeah, it's, it's, there, there's no for you. I think it's 48 hours for gestation. Oh yeah, I'm doomed, right? Basically, <laughs> yeah, basically, just wait. All right, well, we made it 10 episodes, and two of our uh, podcast hosts died. Right, this yeah. is a good run. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll keep my word, though. If, if we know I'm going to die and there's no cure, I'll at least, for the good of the show, make sure that it happens on air. Yes, thank you. So we'll stick to that plan. Yes, thank God. And I expect the same of you. <laughs> Brian, what do you got going on over there? Making knives, getting them out. It was a good week. Uh, the morons were at a minimum this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a, a rare good mood we caught you in. <laughs> yeah, when I can make knives and people pay me and they ship out, that's a great thing. Do you guys share those sentiments, William and Eric? Oh yeah. <laughs> so do you, first, let's 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 start out with an easy, uh, a little softball question. Tell us uh, your a quick maybe uh, customer story. A customer story. Mm-hmm. About a shitty yeah. customer. <laughs> about a shitty customer, yeah. or you want us to talk shit about a customer? <laughs> oh yeah, both. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, get, I didn't hear that part of the show, so I didn't know that's what this was all about. Well, see, this is how you get warmed up, and then you can actually talk about, you know, who you are and what you do. Worship. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, then? I don't think I've had a bad customer. Very funny. Oh, that's, 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 that's the diplomatic <laughs> way to handle it. Yeah, that was very diplomatic. But let's get right <laughs> into it, then. So tell us about yourselves. You know, I think you guys have a... a a pretty deep following within the art knife community. In fact, you guys were one of the first, uh, well, William, you were one of the first makers that I remember when I was researching knives and I saw some of your, your deco inspired models. And I, I just ended up drooling on the keyboard half the time. I mean, they're amazing looking pieces. And when I heard you guys were, were jumping into the tactical fold folder, <laughs> see what I did there. It was, uh, it's pretty interesting, so I, w- I would love to hear, and I'm sure everybody here would love to hear the story. Well, it, it's funny because uh, the, the story is kind of opposite that. I learned to make knives in Butch Valentin's shop, making switchblades and assisted openers. Oh, wow. So you you were tactical, right, tactical right from the get-go. Well, I don't know. I, I, I tried to buy a knife from a company called Dalit Knife Company and um, 20th wedding anniversary and you want to get me a knife said get on the internet find something cool so I, I found this million hidden release automatic and like I want one <laughs> but I couldn't so, find it for sale and I looked around I found the name of the company that made them was Dalit Knives and a little bit of research I found a phone number I Called the phone number. Guy answers the phone. Hello. I said, "Is this a Dalton Knife Company?" And he goes, "Yeah, this Butch." <laughs> so what? <laughs> when? Are, before then, I thought knives are made by you know, like I had no idea that people were actually involved in it. So what year? What year would you say this was? Oh, geez, um, two thousand 
early 2003 2004 somewhere in there see at that time i imagine that you're you would be a what dave called a filthy casual because at that time you know now we have these folks that go around on instagram and find like say one of your fancy knives and they say how much or where can i buy that or and those are the people that dave refers to as a filthy casual and we all have a a filthy casual period where we try and figure out oh these knives are made by people and in a lot of cases made by hand oh and they cost actual money so it's like this this series of things that you that you realize before you be become aware and uh, part of the knife community so that well, was that was your never intended to be, be a knife maker right that was not my intention you know after after talking to this guy butch on the phone it seems we had a couple of common friends you know from the fishing world I was a fishing guide and a ah. fisherman and uh, seems we had a and he what a small of, world yeah he said you know what are you doing right now I said well, I'm you know just mr. mom right now fabrication shop in Redding California we moved to Portland and he said what are you doing I said nothing he said well why don't you come on down he was about you know, two and a half hours away so the next morning I went down hung out with them all day Gave him a hundred dollar deposit on a three hundred and twenty five dollar knife, and asked him when it was going to be finished. His reply was, uh, "When are you going to be back to work on it?" Oh my gosh! Making knives. Oh, that's cool. That's amazing. I remember seeing it's one of the one of the, like the first custom makers I ever saw was Butch Fallaton, and I, I'm not sure if they're family members, but a bunch of people with the same last name as him, and their mosaic Damascus, and I always was just like. Uh, amazed sons and grandsons yeah. it, it, it's just it, one it, his son rainy and and was sean and who passed uh and you have thomas uh but his son-in-law and, and you have rainy's boys who are now involved and, yeah yeah they, oh my gosh yeah it's a huge family it. affair it seems it is yeah they, they always just have the the most crazy looking mosaic damascus and they would use mammoth tooth a lot and mother of pearl and i was always so amazed by those and just complete and, awe. and it's funny because you could always tell a valve and knife. Yes. And no matter which one of them made it, it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely a valve. Exotic blade shapes and a lot of mosaic Damascus is what I think of when I think of their knives. It's it's yeah. funny, William, that you know that that was the guy who got you into it because you definitely have a cleaner aesthetic, I would say, than a lot of the stuff that he does. Well, I I kind of went a different direction. I mean, you know, I I got. I was in a shop for about four months. I built about four knives. Uh, my first knife was a was an assisted opener using his kickstart mechanism. And then I went to a dual action push button and then a couple of scale release. It was Eugene knife show. He said, bring your knives. We're going to the show. And it was okay. And people bought them. I said, why? He said, well, go look around and see what else is out there. You do good work. So I went mm -hmm. around, looked around and said, okay, I see what you're talking about. What do I do now? He says, go home, put together a shop, and get the hell out of mine. <laughs> so, so you had at this time, you were living in California, or you were already in Portland? I was already in Portland. So that's an interesting city to, to be in, uh, in any sort of creative field, especially now. Um, and through through the past two decades, I mean, you must have, it must have been interesting to see the renaissance that's happened there. You know, the influx of uh, people coming from all over the country and creating traffic. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of knife companies that are in Portland, uh, production companies, yeah. at least. Oh, so a lot of there's a lot yeah, of influence I, there. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look you look at the world and you say, well, it's the Pacific Northwest, it's uh, Seikei, Japan, and it's uh, Solingrad, Germany. You know, yeah. Those are the three main night cities. Yeah, seriously. So when you first got started, when you were working with Butch, were you doing the same kind of things where you're using all hand tools to make the knives, or were you, you using more power tools then, and then sort of as you got better, went to doing everything by hand? Well, I mean, in you know, power tools and by hand, what you know, oh, where do you draw all the line there? I mean, CNC to, well, you know, I've I've worked with grinders, I've worked with drill presses, of course. Surface grinders have to be used. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. You, know, you need fill a slot here, or or you know, control your depth there. You know, for a counter bore. So you know, um, when it comes to to the filing, um, that came a little bit later. I'd met. Uh, just on one of the forums, a uh, guy named uh, Tim Herman. Hmm. And, you know, we used to talk in the chat room, and he said, you know, I really like that knife you post. I'd, I'd love to see that thing. If you'd send it to me, I'd take a look and send it right back. And, well, you know, I, I, I didn't know who the guy was, and, okay, I'll take a chance. You know, we've you know, kind of been friends on forum, and I sent him the knife, and, he checked it out and sent it back, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was kind of interesting. He uh, asked me about trading knives. One of his knives, one of my knives. And there you go. Still didn't know who the hell he was. I called up Butch and I said, "Hey, Butch, uh, you ever uh, trade knives with other other makers?" He goes, "Well, you know, we always kind of talk about it a lot, but we never really have." No one actually to do does it. it. <laughs> yeah. So why someone wants to trade knives with you? I said, "Yeah, some guy named Tim Herman." And then I heard a, a change of tone. He says, Tim Herman? <laughs> okay, who's Tim Herman? <laughs> you know, we just became friends. And next thing I know, he's on a plane. He came out to Portland, spent a few weeks with us. And we built a couple of knives together. And uh, that was kind of the start of... Um, and for those of you that don't know, uh, Tim Herman is pretty much uh, a legendary knife maker. He's done a lot of uh, sl slip joints. He works with a lot of crazy materials as well. You can look up. Uh, oh, his work! Yeah. I highly encourage Tim to lockbacks, engraving, artists, mm -hmm. all, all medium, amazing, very work. cool. Yeah, I'm looking at some of his stuff now. So you guys Watch take a, li a little influence from from everywhere, you know. Uh, coming from, you know, if you know Tim was one of the the people that was one first to recognize the work that you do, and then coming from Butch Valton's shop, that's a crazy uh, couple of knife makers to, to get you off the ground. <laughs> yeah, kind of opposite sides of the spectrum, I would say. Seriously, which is kind of uh, ironic since you're, you're now coming full circle uh, with this new axis flipper that you guys are working on. Oh, hey, I've even built two straight knives that don't fold or switch or do anything. <laughs> fixed What's Yeah, straight knives. Fixed yeah, two of them. Imagine right? that. I'm still waiting for Brian to get a couple fixed blades going too. We are not opposed to fixed blades here. We love them. Mm, Except <laughs> for Dave. Dave hey, sucks. Don't listen to. I Dave. like I like folders better. It's not like they're broken. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot more you can do with folders artistically. So <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm I'm not upset that you guys only make folders or primarily make folders. And before we get into the 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 axis flipper, I want to talk a little bit more about your art knives and and how you go about the design process and maybe choosing materials because you guys have used some pretty crazy stuff yourselves. 
But basically, I've, I've really stuck to, you know, how do you take a piece of plain stainless steel and work within it rather than and putting a bunch of materials together to create the art? How do you create the art out of one type of material? Mm-hmm. And I've with you know with with fluting and carving and textures and layers, you know I think that's that's really the biggest test. Is you know, everyone can take beautiful mosaic Damascus and Damascus and pearl and all these different materials and put them together and make them look spectacular. But what if you only had one material to use? What do you do then? And that's where I came in and just kind of started following the lines. You know, beautiful girl, you know, and just look at the curve of her bottom or whatever it is, you know, and you, you start working on a line and you see that line and that line becomes a, um, you know, starts growing into a 3D image. Well, and, I was going to say, you, ha- you for someone who just stumbled upon a knife maker's shop and decided to do it one day, you sure have a good eye. Like, there is a true fine art quality to the pieces that you make. I mean, what is your background from that? You said you had a fabrication shop. Like, do you have an artistic background at all? Like, what's happening here? Well, I used to, you know, I had a a fabrication shop where we just, you know, do general welding and and manufacturing. I mean, conveyor lines for Louisiana Pacific or or grates, you know, storm drain grates for the city or, you know. So, you know, there was nothing artistic about that. (laughs) It's like as utilitarian as utilitarian gets. And I, I did enjoy taking all of my scraps. You know, I would have leftover or pieces look like crescent moons, or this, that, the other, and I'd start putting them together, and I was building, uh, you know, like like uh, cocktail tables and chairs and things like that. But I mean, that was just for fun. And until one day, someone walked in to get get something welded, and they said, "Are these things for sale?" I said, "Sure." They said, "Would you sign them?" <laughs> what was that for? So there are a few pieces of furniture out there with my name on. Them. So you uh, accidentally became a furniture maker, and you accidentally became a knife maker. No, the furniture was just, it was just, what do I do with the scrap metal? Nah. I call I never, that accidental. Sometimes you, you get something in your mind's eye and you just kind of chase it. And, you know, the reason I've learned to do the type of work that I've done with the carving and, and the textures and, and working with lines is I've, only, I've always just kind of chased that vision that I had inside my head. And to do so, I had to learn different skill sets. And, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, honestly, I'm still not there. But maybe I will be one day. I think you're there, for sure. Yeah, I think, you, I think you've made it. But here, here's, here's an interesting thing. Is you, take, you were talking about the idea of taking one material and turning it into something with depth and, and playing with light and things like that. This is not something you hear your average knife maker talk about, you know? you see variations in color using one color material and combining things in just in just the right way is is something that you know you don't hear a lot of makers talk about you you hear about you know uh, the newest type of blade steel or you know the fanciest timascus or something like that it's taking something like stainless steel and and making it look soft but sturdy you know it's pretty interesting well, it's it's the difference between you know putting a buff finish on a piece of four sixteen stainless steel, rub all the way up to eight thousand. It's a different mm. color, and you, you you see two pieces laid next to each other. One is buff, and one one is hand rub. The hand rub piece looks black in comparison to the buff piece. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different look. There's no saying one's better or the other. It's it's 
apples and oranges. It's just a matter of preference, but that's how things happen around here. I mean, I, I really love the, the just solid stainless steel handles because I think most of our listeners and most of us are kind of stuck in the tactical world where a fancy knife means just using a bunch of Timascus and having a lot of really flamboyant colors and patterns, whereas you guys have done a lot of stuff where it, I don't even know how to describe it. It sort of looks like it's just one piece, but it actually is a folding knife. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I really love, I'm looking at one of these knives that has like four different textures or finishes on a single stainless steel handle. And it really makes it look like it's it's something else entirely. It's 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 really very interesting, especially um, being so used to such pedestrian finishes on tactical knives. Side note: uh, Dave's favorite book is actually Fifty Shades of Grey. I I do like. <laughs> I like the, I like the color gray a lot. I'm not a big color guy, so this is much more my style than Timascus, which is what I I find so uh, attractive about these knives. Is there's a lot of restraint shown in terms of like finishes and coloration, but it still has so many small like intricate details. And that's that's what well, I really we, we love about these. That, we try to carry that into our uh, tactical knives and our you know our, our flickers and our flippers. You know the. The Sparrowhawk design, which uh, is actually an old design, you know, the, the fluting that we'll put on the front of front of that bolster there, that's all hand fluted and hand polished. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're moving back, branching back to the tactical market, but we're still trying to incorporate, you know, some of the some of the art techniques that have been developed over the last 10 plus, 15, you know, almost 15 years of make, making knives. I, th- I think there's definitely room for that, because I, I can't think of anyone else that's really doing that that much. Maybe David Technies, uh, or David Broadwell, I can't remember his name. David Broadwell, I think is his name, and he was an art knife maker who did some uh, tactical-styled folders, and you could tell where his influence was coming from, and it's, it's very apparent with you guys that you have experience making truly incredible art knives and translating it into tactical knives, which you know, is is kind of what's still hot right now. I think I think the market's definitely gone down. So, could you guys talk about what what the art knife market is like? Because tactical knives certainly have had a real boom in the last couple of years. But I know nothing about what the art knife world is like personally. The art knife world. I mean, there's a difference between having a business and having a passion. And if you're mm-hmm. going to be an art knife maker, it, it's all about passion. It's you know you can't. It's it's not a great living. It's um, there's there's no way to recover the number of hours that go into a piece. Uh, you know, I've sold pieces for you know upwards of sixteen thousand dollars, and at that point, I was making about twelve bucks an hour. Oh my gosh! Wow. You know, it, it's you know you just can't imagine how many hours go into a simple piece. You know, a simple carved piece, you know, it could be one hundred and eighty hours, and to sell for under four thousand dollars. You know, that you're talking about an entire month. I was trying to think of a way to ask you a very juvenile, what was the most expensive knife you've ever made? (laughs) And the way you just presented that really uh, hit home because that's crazy. Yeah. That's that's it. You know, you have if if you're going to put hours and hours into a piece, you have to charge for those hours and hours. Otherwise, you know, you're crazy for doing it. In, in, the, in the tactical world, I, I see, you know, a lot of beautiful work out there. there there's a lot of guys who are, who are really coming into their own. Um, they're starting to use more natural materials. You know, take Lee Lerman, for, for instance. I mean, Lee's 
you know, starting to use a lot of pearl, a lot of a lot of uh, natural um, antique woods, you know, and you see how he's he's working those into his his pieces. It's interesting to see the crossover because it seems the collectors are really, yeah. you know, the, the the collectors are really going after that crossover market. It's 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 like they want to be art knife collectors or, but you know, the tactical market is there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned Lee Lerman, too, because uh, he's someone that comes up a lot on this podcast, and we're all genuinely big fans of his, uh, me especially. I, I actually own one of his Hydras, uh, and I really do think that that's a great modern expression of a art knife slash tactical folder, um, and I see a lot of that same idea coming from you guys now, which is, and I think you hit the nail on the head, because I really do think that that's a the way the market is going. Uh, we had Ben from Blade HQ on on a few weeks ago. <laughs> and we were talking we were talking about the uh, the way the market was going and talking about the resurgence of simple traditional knives made with modern materials. And right. what I what I think is interesting is that you guys are going the opposite direction and taking, you know, m- fancy old world materials and making modern knives, like things like mother of pearl and 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 woods and things like that and stuff that's been traditionally used in knives and and taking it to a, a whole other level, which is pretty cool. Uh, it, the market's pretty much where I left it when I went to the art world. Mm-hmm. You know, people were were interested in the fancier folders. You know, the folders with a purpose. You know, the the, the more more you know, made a nice handle. You know, but it still had beautiful materials. And it, it's kind of like I'm almost seeing a full circle there. No, it's it's an interesting uh, interesting world out there. It is. And the art knife world has slowed down a bit. A lot of people either passed away or, or or completed their collection. So that's one of the reasons that we've we've kind of taken a step back in the tactical world as well. And Eric, I'm I'm glad you spoke up about that because. It's int- I want to hear your take on this coming from, you know, how did you get into what your father was? Were you just always there in the background and sort of, you know, followed his lead? Or were you uh, pushing him from, uh, you know, from that perspective, too? How did you come to work with your father? Uh, well, I wasn't really interested for the career. I, I had my sports and martial arts that I was doing, and, and I was going off to to college and uh, a couple years into that I came back to Portland and and it I, I jumped back into the shop I started to to learn what he he had been doing for the last uh, dead time and uh, I just found a fine line sharpie I'm like excited <laughs> <laughs> it's the simple things around here uh, so yeah, he. I mean, at that time he was only doing lockbacks. It's only been. Uh, that's where I started was doing the most difficult thing and, and what I would consider the most difficult thing doing the old school taper pin lockbacks, the carving, you know, the, the level of uh, quality that he has put always been something that I've had to strive towards and, and really develop an eye for. And now that I have, it's kind of like I can't do anything at a subpar level because I can see exactly what he's seen. Uh, wow. if, not, if not anything better because he has astigmatism in my eyes or 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the truth comes out, William. So I, uh, a few 
years ago for Blade Show, I made my first knife. Uh, it was a little tiny lockback art knife. Pretty, didn't have the proper geometry, so it didn't quite work right, and so I never <laughs> sold it. The next year, I came back with a uh, bigger one, a uh, little bit more more detailed than uh, you know the next level, I guess, from you know step up from my first one. And uh, from you know, it's it's just been about three or four years now just being in the show and in it completely really for you know we're i'm, I'm now 100 percent part of the business uh we we've spent the last getting our new shop space and and actually living space uh built we found an old uh warehouse building uh, we got the second floor that had nothing in it totally gutted we framed walls and built the shower and kitchen and got our shop in here we're finally just getting things put back together and and really working on on you know the task at hand and trying to get some knives made. It's been really cool to, awesome. to to branch back into this new market and meet all the new collectors. Be, you know everything's everyone's very tight knit and 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 friendly. We made our way down to G nine to to check out the gathering for the first time this year. Just jumped in the RV and went down for a night, and it was awesome. It was one of the best shows I think we've ever been to. I'm really really excited trying to get a table for next year for that that would be yeah, that's that'd be cool i wish we were able to get out to g9 this year yeah uh, wrong coast eric i had a question for you so what's it like getting into art knives were you always like a detail oriented person because i can't imagine what it's like to go from not making knives to having to work on these incredibly intricate pieces and have to train yourself to be to have such an eye for like these small things that most people, you know, when they're first getting into this, would totally miss or whatever. So, was that was that a rough transition? He he had no choice. He had to because if he didn't see it, I would. He didn't <laughs> want to hear me. There we go. You know? oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure if there's any. Just uh, you know, you're, I think you're maybe reaching for a natural ability or a gift, or maybe it runs in the family and some sort of genes involved with it, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've I've enjoyed it. It's become a passion of mine. You really have to love what you're doing if you're going to be doing something like this. And uh, you know, it's, it's something that I've had to develop. That I've had to learn to see and learn to and, and make things to the best of my ability. At this and point, guys, I'm doing everything though. You know, I'm you know we everything together. Every every knife that gets put out has has some part of us. Wow. You guys definitely seem like you have a great relationship, but I'm curious to know how often yeah. it, oh, it yeah. comes to a point where you're going to kill each other. <laughs> no, never. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> Glad you brought that up. <laughs> Did we tell you about the reality show coming? Yeah, we're... This is, the, this is it. <laughs> This is kind of, yeah, no, it, it definitely has gotten to that point. This is, yeah, it's not an easy thing to learn. And uh, learning anything is is frustrating because really when it comes down to it, it's just making mistakes until there's no more mistakes to make, even though that never happens in knife making because you can all, you always make another stupid mistake. There's no way to make a knife without making a mistake. So it's been a frustrating process. Come on, there are no new knife. There are no mistakes in knife making. Yeah, there's it's no new designs. New designs. Baby, new designs. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know you're not the first knife makers I've heard say that. Yeah, that's definitely definitely key. The handmade knife is nothing but a series of mistakes until you call it good. <laughs> Happy accidents, right? 
Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not not all uh, not all daily. What's the best expression? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, not all sunshine and roses. Yeah, not all sunshine and roses. It definitely gets tense sometimes, but we're definitely working towards getting to a point where we can just be living comfortably in a cycle, getting things finished and not having to worry about uh, who's going to buy the next project and this and that. That's one of the biggest things of for the last decade or so is that my dad has never really been uh, uh, books oriented. He never really wanted to take orders because he was just working towards the vision in his mind he just wanted to make what he wanted to make and from there but as far as a business goes that really doesn't uh translate very well unless you have a very large uh collectors that are constantly in need of your work but for knives that are a thousand to two thousand plus it does that's just not really uh something you know there's not that many people out there that are that are buying that expensive knives yeah, definitely. It's, well, it was something that I was going to ask. I, I always imagine like your average art knife collector just has like, you know, 24 Rolls Royce or something like that and says, he calls up William and says, I need a knife. Tell me more about knife. I need new knife. Uh, money, no object. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just send me dealing. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, you, know, you, you do have those people, but then you have, I have, I have clients who have multiple pieces of mine and they're construction workers. They're auto mechanics. Yeah, they, people they, that, they that are appreciate the work. They they just you know oh, uh, what's the word? I mean they they, they love it. They uh, appreciate. They covet it. it. They covet the work. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely they save and they say this is what I want. This I want this. How can I buy this? Um, you know, and then then you get people who really really surprise you who buy them. You guys know know E. If you, if you know E from uh, from Hairless the shows, and, <laughs> yeah, Hairless Twinkie on Instagram. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, right. Yep. He bought one. He bought one a little little Warncliffe of mine, little one of my little art knives. It just blew me away, and he's 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 and he's not putting it in a safe. He's using it. He's he's. Oh my gosh. Himself, you know, videos of him cutting beans with it. You know, getting ready for dinner, doing this, doing that. You know. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's you know, that's, that's what you want to see is someone who, uh, you know, who's, who's just a student in school who spent thirty two hundred dollars on on a knife of yours and yeah. using it every day. It's great. It's absolutely. Now you, he just needs fantastic. to now now he just needs to follow Dave's example and lose one once a year. So you yeah. have, a, so you have to make him a new one every year. Yeah. A, that would be a little more than a hundred dollars to put aside to replace that one, though. Uh, yeah, probably. What? Right. Uh, you know, I, I am actually. I'm seeing. I have a picture of him of, of him using. I'm looking at now. I, I'm kind of surprised yeah. to ever see someone use something that looks that you know, like that much like an art piece. Have you guys ever had to refurbish any knives? Because I think this is a thing that's been coming up a little bit recently in the tactical knife world. It's a lot of knife makers. Uh, are getting kind of sick of people asking for refurbished requests for their knives with, you know, like with no compensation, just like expecting people to do quote unquote spa treatments. Have you guys had to refurb your knives? I imagine it would be extremely difficult or time consuming to go back and replicate some of these finishes or go back and touch, touch it up after it's been done. <laughs> touch. Yeah. I, I, I have refurbished a couple of my own knives. Um, 
I've refurbished these once already, and and he and and he's probably going to want to do it again sometime. Um, I I've refurbished other makers' knives, which I don't know why I've done, but no one else was willing to do it or could do it. I don't know. Hmm. Was trusted to do it. That's yeah. Well, I, I would certainly trust you. <laughs> Maybe no. you should send your Chris Reeves to William. I want to trust myself. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, that's fun. I can't even imagine how time-consuming it would be to to have to redo some of that work after you've already done it. Get frustrated and throw that sixty thousand dollar knife across the room. Come on, <laughs> come on! Has that happened? You know, you have thrown one of these knives across the room. I know. <coughs> no. Oh, is this a truth session? Yeah, I mean, we need to hear this stuff. This is need to know information. You guys will love this one. Oh God! Let's hear it, Dad. In 2008, I won my first Blade Show Award for handle design. Three months cool before that, that knife had come off the buffer. I was touching up the blade uh, on the buffer. It came off the buffer and went through the drywall. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I pulled it out of the drywall so I, and threw it through the drywall again. <laughs> oh. I put it. I folded it up, <coughs> threw it in the safe, and closed the door. Oh my god. Four so months later I'm going, what can I take to what can I take to Blade Show? Oh, and, <laughs> and I changed the design a little bit and I cleaned it up. Uh, it won best best uh, handle design, Blade Show. <laughs> no <Wow>. way. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, well it just goes to show that mistakes can just be new knives, apparently. It is true. Mm, always. That's you know, I told It's you. important that you Violently launched it through a through a drywall too. Not even through it. <laughs> oh no, it was it was fairly violent. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good. That's there fantastic. was a little profanity going along with it. Yeah, just for that little extra zing. <laughs> yeah. So for I don't the, know if it made the night scene better, but it, but it sure helped me. Hey, I mean, if it won an award, then it certainly did make it better. Yeah. But it was, it well, was, you know. When you when you when you get punched in the stomach like that, I mean, and you've got two hundred and thirty to two hundred and sixty hours in a piece. Yikes! And something goes oh. drastically wrong, you much end up on the floor. It's kind of hard to breathe. Man, I can't even believe that. Yeah. How long that? That's that's so incredible. I mean, because I don't I don't know if that is the average amount of time that people in the tactical world spend on making their custom knives, but that uh, it's just it's really eye-opening to to see the other side of the spectrum hey, brian you yeah. got something to say about that yeah yeah no we don't spend that kind of time there there we go. <laughs> I, I don't look like an asshole now well, i wasn't I, wrong I, I, was early, I was caught early on i had had some uh, i had a, had a had one collector in particular don gill art knife collector is not really out there much anymore but um he he pretty much gave me this gave me uh the information I needed, and he told me it was all about fit and finish. Yeah. And we talked about one of the knives of mine that he had bought from me, and which, in my eyes, was perfect. But I learned a lot from that conversation. And you know, in my eyes, fit and finish is fit and finish. If if the grain on 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 the finish isn't isn't just right, you don't have flat surfaces mating up against each other. If you have any kind of gaps, if you have I mean, you have, in, in my mind, it has to be right or, or it can't be. 
I know in the tactical world, I know there's a lot of, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to be using the knife on and on and on. But it, it's mm. one of the things that's kind of ingrained in me through throughout my knife making that I just can't get away from. Right. You know, what you do with it after it leaves me, that's fine. <laughs> but when it leaves me, it's gone. right. Yeah, Brian's famous line for that is, you can throw it in a lake for all I care. Actually, it sounds more like this. You can throw it in a lake for all I care. <laughs> really, Brian? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what'd you pay me for? Yeah, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that impression was spot on, wasn't it? I have to say. Uh, that was pretty good. I, I hadn't <laughs> heard the original, but I can already tell that was pretty uh, right on. Mm. You can all kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Brian in the good mood before. Yes, now, now he's pissed off. <laughs> so how are you guys going to be doing? So I, I thought it was interesting that you've never wanted to really get into doing books because, um, well, I don't know. Sometimes that's standard, but also sometimes that ends pretty poorly for people when they take books. But how are you going to do it with the Axis uh, with the new tactical knife? Is that going to be something where you're actually going to take custom orders or are you going to just make some? And, uh... No, we'll, we'll take custom orders on on Axis. We have we have a list of um, of people, active, you know, an active list of people who who want want work. Uh, it, it's taken us a while to work towards that list. Uh, um, getting set up. Um, a lot of what we've been building has been, you know, towards a show or, hey, we need to to work on this, so we're just going to put this together, and you know, then it'll be available for whoever wants it. Um, you know, just just uh, owning the design, doing things, you know, such as that. Um, you know, if if someone would like an access knife, they're certainly welcome to give us a call. We are opening our books. We haven't, you know, we, we never officially opened our books, but we are we are opening our books to future orders. We're in a whole process of rebranding right now. I'm working on getting the website updated. We're getting YouTube going. We're getting Facebook more involved again. Uh, and and that's part of the process is just getting to the point where we're going to be opening our books up and getting to the point where we have our next year's worth of work already lined up in front of us. Yeah, a lot of being a knife maker these days is knowing social media. Cause it yeah. seems to be... Absolutely. That's the seems one of the biggest things lately is just knowing how to work it, getting your followers up and, and getting people uh, into seeing what you're doing, giving people an inside yeah. look. Yeah, actually being social, you know, <laughs> getting out there, going on to podcasts with a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> that's that's oh, pretty okay. much how this goes. What, you know, a knife maker, we're only social four or five times times a year at the shows okay <laughs> i'd say you're doing pretty good then yeah yeah you, you couldn't tell you guys you guys prepared well then um but i'd like <laughs> to talk a little bit of, <laughs> i'd like to talk a little bit about the access folder itself because it's, it's a little different for us we're used to um you know especially maybe the people that we know and and the crowds that we hang out with we're used to makers who are uh, doing a model and and it's usually a variation of the same uh model but for you guys each access folder is basically going to be its own bespoke item at the end of the day, right? Everything is one of a kind. Everything's handmade, yeah. There's no, at this point, there's no, you know, CNC or laser cutting or anything like that. It's something that we may move towards in the future, near future, just to be able to try to keep our price range to the point where literally in our uh, market is possible, but 
uh, as okay. far as things being one of a kind. Yeah, everything is a one-off. Everything, every you know, even if it's the same model, it's going to be slightly different. So, what is the basic construction of an access access folder? Tell us a little bit about what what the influence was, the design purpose, and everything like that. The, the design, uh, it's really a, a idea uh, back in. 2008 is a piece that a lot of tactical guys had always said they'd like to see as a tactical knife. It started out as a side lock, a carved side lock, and mm. it was a fairly good knife. And I worked with that because that was it was very appealing to people in you know in the tactical world. And I created a flipper out of it. Um, worked on geometry. We have the geometry down. Um, detent everything. A um, little bit of slight recurve on the blade. Um, nice little detail on you know on our finishes. Um, you know we're we we're, we're using in different materials. Timascus. Uh, we, we can go off the curl. Uh, I think we may throw an extra rear bolster on as a custom feature. Inner frame inlays and the scales. You know incorporating <laughs> more and more art knife. Uh, uh, techniques. But it, the it, one I keep going back to look at is that hidden hardware prototype that you did. That thing is unbelievable. Oh, the gold the blue one. The oh, blue. The oh, blue. yeah, yeah. That's the, the blue and the gold, but the blue yeah. one is, is the one I'm speaking of. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Uh, take a look at the new one. On the uh, yeah, that is gorgeous too. The switch light. That's right. We're coming out with new designs, new mechanisms. Just we worked on the last couple of months to get a new. Uh, dual action mechanism together, and that's one it's, of the main a, projects that we've been working on. Hidden hardware, scale release, dual action switch blade. Wow! Oh my gosh! With front and rear bolsters. Nice. Oh my god! I think I'm looking at it now. Uh, yeah, autos are certainly coming back into vogue now that the laws are loosening up in a few different places. So it seems as good time as any to to start doing it. I mean, yeah, this is awesome. I mean, this is just the kind of stuff you don't see. Which it's is... been full circle. Yeah. 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 What, what's more fun than sitting in traffic, o opening and closing an auto? There's <laughs> nothing, nothing like it. <laughs> Spoken like a true knife guy. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm definitely guilty of doing that and then cutting myself while driving and then having to find the nearest bathroom to go bleed in and try and patch I mean, up the wound. You can use, use a flipper, but eventually... That skin on the on the tip of your index finger starts getting you know worn and and red and sore. <laughs> you know, with an auto, you don't have any of that. It just opens the same speed every time. Mm. Yeah, the dual action does add a little bit of a uh, a variety to the to the uh, fidgeting. Who needs a spinner? <laughs> yeah. I think people will really dig the dual action. I, I remember when Matt Diskin came out with the dual action uh, folder, the fire. People really love that. And there hasn't really been any dual action knives since then, um, at least not ones that people have really been interested in. So I think that's that'll be really cool Matt, to see Matt how that plays out. out. Matt came out of the Valentin shop, too. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And in fact, uh, when he gets back from Paris, he's planning on coming out. And uh, we were two together. Oh. He's going to down from uh, from Seattle, from where he lives up there. Well, Matt, it, it's, you know, he's great with the knife materials, too. Do you guys get a lot of your carbon fiber from him, too? He has carbon fiber? 
Is that is that a secret? Or we're not supposed to say that? Yes, no, that was that's a very sarcastic response. You get that a lot around here. Yeah. He definitely material. Matt's Matt's uh, carbon fiber. Um, yeah, I, I've used other carbon fibers over the years, and Matt's is so solid. It it works so well. When you're grinding it, when you're working it, there's nothing chalky about it. It's just solid, hard. It's um. Okay, there's my plug for Matt. <laughs> uh, he gets a few on here, to be honest with you. He's actually a listener. He listens to this podcast, so say hi. There you go. Hey, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding about you coming down. You don't have to. That would be very cool to see a collaboration between you guys. <laughs> That's another oh, absolutely. thing that we're, that we're going to be doing this year is doing a few collaborations with a couple of uh, uh, different makers. We've got something going to be going on with. Okay, I guess we're gonna we'll we'll save that for a later date. We've got some collaborations coming. I'm sure everybody will be very excited about it. I, I, it will be really cool to see you guys use your skills that a lot of other makers don't necessarily have or not trained in on their designs. I, I can see some very cool things happening. I can imagine absolutely that the possibilities are pr- are pretty much endless. There, just the fluting alone is a uh, something I've always found really really cool. Is is the fluting. I just like to I just like to say fluting. I mean, it's 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 gorgeous. It's 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 really it's something that I mean, you know, people do it with CNC. Brian Ty does it really nicely with CNC, but I the fact that it's done by hand, it's it's kind of hard for me to even understand how it comes it's, out. It that perfect. boggles the mind. It really does. It's just it's one of those just things. A file. Yeah, I file and, file and sandpaper. I have no mechanical skills whatsoever, so like <laughs> seeing this come out this well, just like I know. It amazes me. The guy can't even keep a pen in his pocket. Hey, not my fault. One of them was at the airport. Is that the bolt action pen you're talking about? He can't even keep it in his pocket? No, that, that one I have, but I've also only had it for about a week. So we're doing pretty good there. It's not his pen he has trouble keeping in his pocket. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Yeah. We there. Yeah. No, we... we... <laughs> This is this. I've got to tell you, this has been the most clean episode we've ever done. Yeah, I mean, oh, let's, <laughs> let's that. Yeah, there hasn't been one one mention of bestiality whatsoever. Yeah, this is great. It's it's a nice reset for uh, mm-hmm. the podcast because we're thing is you can see what's happening right here with a with a bulldog and a Rottweiler. You know, it's, oh, that <laughs> yeah, video. It would all be different. <laughs> you guys are way closer than I originally thought. <laughs> oh, oh man! Okay. Um, is that, is that enough bestiality? Should we keep going? <laughs> keep it coming, guys. We, no we, pun intended. We usually do have a little bit more than we should in the podcast. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm. How big is the axis? It looks like it's pretty big, but I'm just guessing, dimension wise. <laughs> they only caught the last part of that about how big it is. It. Of course, I meant the. I was talking about the axis knife. It's it's a little. I mean, I think it's probably pretty big from what I'm guessing from these pictures. The actually the, no. <laughs> the original well, no. The the original hidden hardware one was oh yeah uh, that, was was oh close four, four and a half inch yeah close to, close oh, to five inch blade so it was Holy a larger crap. version. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that we've been making more is is uh, uh, I think three and an eighth. So it's just oh, over three inches. So it's oh. a more moderate size, better for carrying, I'd say. And I had no idea. Oh, that, that's great. Yeah, because people are definitely going in that direction. 
these days it seems with smaller knives yeah it seems like smaller is getting more and more uh in demand even closer to two inches yeah oh dave's really excited that smaller is more in style no i am a big knife (laughs) i am a big knife person i have to overcompensate we're only talking knives um, actually, I'm really interested. I want because usually you see the art knife world, and you see these pictures of them online. Then you see them in person, and they're like, "Wow, that's way smaller than I thought." Um, I didn't know that 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 hidden hardware one was like nearly a five inch blade. That is a beast. It's a beast. Yeah, it's a it's a massive knife. You guys have to bring that to 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 the New York show. I need to see that. There's, only, there's only two of them. There's only been two of them made. And do you yeah. have them still, or are they gone? possession of either one. Oh. Damn. Someday we'll make another one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe once I mission one. <laughs> maybe once I uh settle on a place to live I can actually get back on that list. There you go. Is price something we can ask about? Is that something you guys have decided on yet? Cause... On, on that large one? Or just on the axis knife in general. Just a general price well, range well, maybe. Those were just two prototypes I've done. Yeah. Those so we're not, uh, you know, those were, um, you know, um, in, in the 5,000 range for those two knives. Uh, for the regular access, we're trying to keep the regular access knife, you know, somewhere somewhere around, um, you know, $1,600 as, as a base price, and depending on materials and what else we're doing to it. What? So curious to hear from collectors, and, and, you know, we're figuring out where, you know, pricing is one of the most difficult thing in the, in the knife community and the knife making business, so. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, it's it's very difficult to keep the pr- the price of something like that at sixteen hundred dollars as an entry level. I don't even know how you do it. As far as you think, it's too high or too low. I think it's too low. Well, you know, it, it it's funny because the, the knife is meant to be that it's seventy thou liners. Um, it's oh, wow. an eight hardened stop pin. And the stop pin is counterboard into the liners and secured from the outside with screws. So it's a fixed stop. It's pin. a fixed stop pin. It is a solid. I mean, you know, we laugh all the time. Oh shit, I, I dropped it. But you know, if you drop it, <laughs> you, you know, you aren't going to hurt it. You know. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it it is a tank of a knife. It, it it's got beautiful lines, I think, and. As far as the price range, the knife is really only worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. So we're we're just absolutely that medium where where everyone's going to be we'd happy like, in the deal. We we'd like know, to, we we'd like as many people who would like to have one to have. One. I, I think that's totally fair. That's right around what I think what Lee sure. Lerman does, and it's very much in that same wheelhouse of the you know mm-hmm. completely handmade, completely custom, but now, tactical now, granted, styling. We haven't, we haven't made very many of them for sixteen hundred dollars. No, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to get the... $100? When you guys can do all that, why would you get the boring one? Yes, they want that, and they want the other. Or we put this on it, we put that on it. You know, got to have a floating, you know. You got to have a flute on the pocket clip. You know, on and on. So, and, and everything takes time. And, you know, honestly, the materials that we use as knife makers aren't that expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know if you look at it, break it down. How much titanium is there in a knife? Not you much. About four bucks for titanium. Yeah. You have about seven dollars worth of blade steel. You have you know another five dollars worth of hardware. The hell you, you doing, know? Tommy? Stop! Delete all this. Delete. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 
but there's only but there's one thing that we really need to charge for because it's our really our only true commodity it's our time time yeah if we can't sell our time for what it's worth then you know what we're we shouldn't be doing what we're doing yeah, that was that was really enlightening because I think when people go on like knifelegends.com and see the the prices on art knives and they probably think it's so unfathomable to have, you know, over $10,000 and when you hear the amount of time being put into it, it it's not as crazy as it seems now and that's something I did certainly was not as informed about before this, so it is interesting. Some of our most expensive pieces in plain stainless that have had hours and hours and hours put into it until it's a piece that's something that we can't less than a certain amount certainly those those are the ones that i gravitate towards and you know i give uh dave a lot of crap about like you know not liking too many too much color or anything like that in his knives but it's the stuff that you guys do in in just polished steel it it really just mesmerizes me yeah okay i do like that you guys are offering this sort of full custom thing while you do what essentially whatever people want within reason because it seems like custom knives right now either you need to do a lot of knives with not a lot of embellishment or you need to get to that point where you can do a few knives with a lot of embellishment uh to really exist you know you see guys like ferrum forge who are you know a sort they were a custom duo out of san diego if you guys if you know, people aren't familiar with them. Right. We have them on the podcast. Yeah. And now they're expanding into ever closer to production knives with some of their collaborations, you know, just to just to stay afloat, as they uh, explained in one episode they did with us. But, you know, there's also people like Lee Lerman, who seems to do okay doing, you know, these incredibly nice one-off custom knives. So I, I, I like that you guys have chosen to do one of the two routes there and not try to get somewhere in the middle, because that can be a, a tough place, it seems, in the custom knife world right now. It's all about finding your niche, finding your place in the in the market in the community when it comes to being a knife maker. Yeah, I mean, and I think you guys have a lot of longevity then with these uh, new designs coming out. It'll certainly appeal to a new market because, you know, there's a whole whole crop of new new collectors who only learn about knives through social media, who've never been on any of the forums, or never been to a show. Uh, and it'll be cool to see them learn a little bit about art knives so that they don't post how much is this or where can I get it on every single post, uh, you know, every single picture you guys do. Because <laughs> that's in your future. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind that. I don't mind when they they ask how much, how much, how much. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you just have to make sure they actually have the money for it. It tells you they like it, you know. Yeah, it's like when do you have to start doing a credit check before they. Uh, they get on the list <laughs> yeah it'll just be yeah it's cool to just see some of these yeah. skills being brought to the next generation you know eric with you learning this because i i don't think art knives are necessarily a young man's world from mm-hmm. what i can guess most of the makers are not you know in their 20s and 30s they're much more experienced oh, you know, fresh faces doing uh <laughs> doing when, when, these art when it comes when it comes to the old world lock back and, and carved art piece he has all the tools. He is, you know, I, I can't tell the difference between his work and my work. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, the only one, he's the only one I've, I've worked with, and I've had, I don't know, three apprentices over the years. One of them has stuck to it, stuck with it. Not one of them has gotten to where Eric is. And it, it's, it hasn't been easy. Eric has been, been in the shop with me now for four years. You know, it, it didn't come overnight. And it took a whole drawer full of mistakes. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, 
even for the guys who you know the things come easy for it doesn't come easy i mean there's, everything is there's everything nothing is that so you guys are doing that looks easy let me tell you that right now yeah for sure mm. you know it, it, everything you, everything you do is is very permanent you take a little too much here, well, you got to turn it over and you have to repeat on the other side. Um, which, which, you know, is, is why I was thinking, you know, maybe we should start doing locks because we only got to do one half of a frame lock. The other <laughs> side is just a, Only got to carve lock, the show you know? size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you start doing one thing. It's like, now, now you, oh, that looks great. Now do it all over again. Yeah, that's, I know. But, but see, if we did frame part. locks, we wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. You only do one side. Or you make, or you make it look pretty, and then you have to cut a whole line through it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, it makes sense. You know, and and you guys are building a lot of. Uh, I, I'm still surprised at how beefy the some of those Axis prototypes actually were. I didn't realize how huge they are. I and you know, you might as well throw a frame lock on there and say, "Look at this! Now you can baton through a tree." <laughs> <laughs> That's not. You don't want to advertise that. It's it's only gonna ha bad things are only gonna happen. Oh come on! Don't you want to see someone baton through a tree with one of your knives? <laughs> um, I'd oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah mean, sure, yeah, yeah. Our, our, yeah, our knives yeah. are made uh -huh. to be used. Come yeah, on. yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> there you go. Let's Maybe stab through a car door. It reminds me of a of a uh, Monty Python skit, <laughs> cutting through the thickest tree in the forest with a herring. <laughs> yes, I'm. A, I'm. A, uh, that's that's a great skit. You don't see. You don't hear too many Monty Python references on this podcast. Yeah. Well, there you go. Got to keep it fresh. I do. There is. So when you mentioned Tim Herman earlier, I did Google him, and one of the knives that comes up is uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, it's What's engraved, that? and I don't know how else to describe it other than there is a woman performing fellatio upon a golden penis. Yeah, it is. Oh, I have no. okay. He's got a couple of porn knives. Is that a thing? He's graded. No, he, he did all his own engraving. So you know, is that like is that a genre of knives I wasn't familiar with? Yeah, erotica. Dude, there there are people that make mechanical watches that perform sexual acts when you wind them up. I, I'm gonna have to like this in the show notes for people who have never seen this before. I mean, it's it's quality I, engraving, I but that way, yeah, you just wind them up and they perform a second. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm picturing Tim in in the shop, like laughing like Beavis and Butthead as he's engraving, like. <laughs> but now you know. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 truly a sight to behold. <laughs> uh, Tim's favorite thing to engrave with boobies. <laughs> I yeah, mean, engraving, watercoloring, airbrushing. He was a big-time artist. Amazing artist. We've got a couple watercolor uh, pin-up naked ladies around here of his. Wow. They're just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he certainly did a great job here, but I am excited for some people who might not be familiar with us to venture into the wonderful world of poor knives. You're going to have to send a link, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to have to. There's a bunch of them. This <laughs> 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 is... <laughs> It's no longer nice porn, it's porn knives. Yes. Porn knives, yes. This is what you guys need to bring back. I don't think we've... I think this trend may have um, waned a little bit in the last couple of years. Maybe we need to bring porn knives back. Or just, uh, put, tits, just put tits on the knife. You yeah. know, that's it. Done. 
one of our next investments is an engraving machine so i can start practicing engraving i'll, I'll get on that as soon as i can yeah when you want to talk about a skill that not a lot of people have pneumatic engraver excuse me i spoke wrong yeah an engraving machine does the engraving for you a pneumatic engraver you have to <laughs> reuse it you know like a, like a pen or a pencil wow right that's a great skill Learn. to have because engraving will never stop being incredibly cool that's that's timeless. That's I would I would love to have an engraved knife, but you know, I can't even imagine. Money, yes, money, but money. Maybe if you stop losing your pen every year, uh, that's hell. I could lose a pen for ten years and not even be able to afford one bolster engraving. <laughs> Especially not of this fantastic porn scene. So like, I'm never gonna be able to afford this. Which one are you looking at? Uh, yeah, let me send it. Yeah, let me send it in the in the hangouts chat. It is. Remarkable. <laughs> there we go. It's in the Hangouts chat, uh, or it's sending right now. It's there. There we go. Let's, let's all go look at the porn knife. I mean, oh, wow. Okay. It's graphic. Uh, that's the best way to describe that's, it. That's graphic. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah. But look how the boobies are. The boobies are perfect. I'm telling you. It's it's a gilded penis. There's no other way to describe it. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't remember that one. This, uh, yeah, it's um, looks like the picture has it laying on some uh, bathroom tissue. I wonder. Yeah, why. I was gonna say, what is that? Some oh. bounty? That that genuinely looks like a fancy paper towel. <laughs> oh, guys, that, you haven't seen the reverse yet. There's another side. There's some sort of STD with that penis. It looks kind of yellow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, well, that's what they just have to get the flashlight that we talked about last podcast that just uh, vaporizes yes. all STDs. Flashlight sterilization. Yeah. This is this is something we let me let me show you guys the reverse side in case you are curious. Please. If it is. Please. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> and you can see where the bolt oh the release god. for the auto is. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I was gonna oh. tell you it was an auto. <laughs> I'm not sure oh, what that the, face she's making is, though. The, that's the well, well. There's a gold tip inside her. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, she can feel herself getting heavy metal poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Ah, uh, man, I. This has been awesome. I'm so glad I learned about this. This is God. Definitely want to show all my friends now who are not into knives. Be like, oh. You guys want to see a cool knife? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know the guy who buys this and just like is, yeah, this is the knife for me. Uh, well, I do know who bought that knife. <laughs> oh, Wait, no way. Oh really? my gosh, no way. See, you've been holding out on this the whole time. Well, I can't say, you know, these collectors, they like to keep it to themselves, you know. Yeah, I can only imagine. Mm. Yeah. I can only imagine how much uh, buffing compound we'll say is on it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, this is the exact content we usually get to, and we didn't expect now, it to go here. Now the podcast has actually started. Yeah, yeah this, is more, this is way more typical. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, since, since the guy's going to remain anonymous, I'm picturing like some really filthy old man. Really filthy. But he, you know, like, re like really filthy. I don't know if I stress the fact that he's probably incredibly filled. <laughs> I, well, this was apparently from the boss. The wow! Oh my god, my New England accent just came out so badly. Boston? When I was to, yeah, I was about to say Boston Art Knife Classic. Yeah, 
that I didn't know. I didn't know this was a thing. The Bo- the Boston Art Knife Classic. That is where some of these porn knives were sold, and I can't believe that was so close to me, and yet I was not able to secure a porn knife of my own. <laughs> you really dropped the ball on that one. Uh, I see what he did there. <laughs> well, this is wonderful. <laughs> this is a, this is a skill that I wish he had passed on to you when you were when yeah, you had seriously. worked with Tim Herman. <laughs> He's always tall. Uh, so was was that knife commissioned? Do you know? Was it was it was it something that just came out of Tim's head? No, <laughs> or was it, uh, or was it, uh, you know? No, I, I believe that was a commissioned piece. Can you imagine what that conversation must have looked like? I'd really like, love like, to have a big, big fat like, golden cock in her mouth. <laughs> Yeah. So, yes. I cannot believe. It. Well, I'll just make you a promise. In uh, twenty to thirty years, when I can actually afford a knife from you guys, I will definitely ask for an engraving of similar style. He's not kidding. I no, I genuinely. It's twenty twenty thirty <laughs> not thirty years. Put me down the books for like I don't know. Let's uh, let's call it twenty fifty. Yeah, I'll be. Ca- I'll you. come calling for one of these. I'll be around. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm 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 still in shock right now. Like that is way more than I was ever expecting to see. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been an eye-opening podcast for me in a number of yeah, ways. Sure. I've I've learned so much about the art knife world that I did not expect to learn. Some are these images going to be available for the listeners? Oh, absolutely. To... Awesome. Oh, <laughs> I I, th- I feel like we wouldn't do them justice if they didn't see this. And obviously we should uh, tell them where to find you guys as well so they can su- see the c- super cool stuff you guys have been working on. And well, Let's not just focus on the naked talking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did you not go to the woman before? Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that would have been a crazy way to start out. So I, w- I started working with this guy who likes to carve, you know, people giving fellatio on their knives, and that's how I started doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it would have been a way different start to this to this podcast. We would have never gotten to this point. <laughs> That we would you have been stuck Jim on that. Don't hold the anymore, but he'd be a kick on the podcast. <laughs> What's funny is I've seen his work before and and never saw that stuff. No, yeah. he, should, some some of the stuff he's done, no one else is no one else is even come close to doing. I wonder why. Taking, you know, I'm I'm just talking about materials he's used. He's used <laughs> natural Australian opal. Oh wow! Nice light. Sliced pieces of it and use it as inlay. Wow. Um, you know, it's so fragile. It's so difficult to do. Some of the things he's done are just crazy. Do you, prefer, really do you prefer synthetic materials or natural materials for your pieces? Oh, Is it even with all the all, even with all the complexities it adds with, you know, warping or pearl, any kind of lapidary, any, you know, any kind of rock or mineral, um, you know, jade, um, lapis. Uh, Petersite, uh, charite, mother pearl, pearl, white, gold, brown, black, pink is clam. You know, no, I, I much prefer the natural materials. No, well. Ironically, at the same time that the New York uh, show is going on, the the Lapidary Society is doing a gem show here in the Philadelphia area. And last year, I was I was actually laid up with uh, with. Um, uh, I had surgery on my ankle and I was just getting up and, and at him again. I couldn't get make it to the New York show, but I took a ride out to the Lapidary Society show and I had a blast there. Like, oh, I've seen some amazing stuff. So, uh, 
you know, I, I, I'm, I started picking up a whole bunch of different pieces of different stones. I went with my, uh, my two friends there. One of them, she makes uh, jewelry for a living. Um, so I went with her and it was just a crazy time. So I, I, I imagine that would be a great place to procure a lot of materials for knife making. Oh yeah. Well, Eric, Eric and I, we try to try to grab materials from where we've been. I mean, um, last two years we've been in Beijing. Whoa. Um, for the Beijing night show. And, you know, we've come back from there and last year we came back with, uh, some incredible lavender Burmese jade. Wow. These are trimmings. I found trimmings from the guys who were cutting the bracelets. And these are all the pieces from inside, which are just perfect wow. for slicing up for knife knife handles. I mean, um, I, your average knife maker does not travel the world to get materials for their knives. That is, <laughs> that's really cool. What's travel, the travel travel the world to get material for our knives? We travel material to sell so, knives. Yeah. But no, no. Spread the good word. Say <laughs> That's a good word on knives. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I didn't even know there was... Holding bad, holding knife bandwagon. They're all into their fixed blades. Yes. Let's, let's get them on the folding knife bandwagon, as everyone should exactly. be. Exactly. You know, we were over there preaching, preaching the, uh, the, the the blade gospel. Yeah, that's the gospel I can get behind. <laughs> Me too. So, you know, but while we're there, you know? <laughs> there you yeah. go. I, I didn't even know there was a knife show out there. That's that's certainly cool. But hey, that had to have been a crazy trip. I can't imagine what a knife show in Beijing is like. Is it like a, a knife show here, but with even more people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much for the most part. Uh, a lot of the first year was it was so packed in there, and and they were they were treating us like we were celebrities. Everybody wanted a picture or an autograph or into the, the white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes type of deal. <laughs> so much money. I could make so much money off myself. All, all the big collectors' oh, wives man. wanted pictures with me. and uh, I think it's because they thought you were Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Not just Oh, my Bieber. gosh. Uh, Maybe a mix of the two. <laughs> I'll take it. Why not? They both get yeah, laid Why not, man? Seriously. <laughs> Did you really just say that? Yeah. This guy's talking about getting laid a lot. He's got the most beautiful girlfriend. Oh my god. I don't know. I mean, when when you're when you're a superstar in China, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> ah, oh god. Now we're in the weeds. But this is usually where we end up. So this is kind of a. Uh, yeah, and this always of, seems to be about comfortable. China. So there is, you go. This is a comfortable <laughs> place for us. China. Wow. Yeah, but. Your Chinese made uh, knives, eh? Listen now. Yeah. Hey, there's some nice Brian, what... coming in out of China, actually. Yeah. I mean, from the production world, that's that's where a lot of a lot of the interesting stuff is happening right now. Custom certainly. Not only that, but we have a uh, we have a in the works where we have a couple art knives that may be reproduced in China. Wow. So what you're saying is there's going to be a a touch knives model manufactured in China. Very limited number uh, production run, and they're uh, they're going to make them as close to my knife as possible. I wow, my a, mind is it's blown. Not going, be, it's not going to be inexpensive. I don't know if you remember uh, when uh, they redid when they did a Ron Lake model. Um, what's the company uh, makes all the swords and uh, 
We don't, I'm not sure we like where this is going. Oh, uh, Hanway? Yeah. Yeah, Kasiberia. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they did a Ron Lake folder. And and they did a bang-up job. Interesting. That was, that was a really nicely nicely made replica. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know this existed. Wow. Yeah, if, if, if this company can do the same with, with a couple of my models, I'm out there. That, mm. That's they are that's, not, that's big news. Can be signed. They are not, you know, they are going to be, you know, distinctly production knives. Sure. Oh, than really? But yeah. it's a way for people to have something that they enjoy, that they've admired, and not, you know, have to wait five years or save all that money or wow, make me feel guilty for building them. I don't know. I mean, have you guys been keeping up with a lot of the manufa- the, the, the modern Chinese manufacturers that are putting out higher-end knives right now? I haven't really. Well, when you say keeping up with I should be specific, like, uh, like, like Riot knives or, or Wii knives or anything like that. And have you ever approached or been approached by them to make something? Um, no, I've not. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But uh, no, I, I've seen the stuff that that uh, Riyadh is doing for for Todd Begg. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I, there's there's some very fine manufacturing going on over there. Seriously, it, it's seriously manufacturing that we used to do here, but I don't know. Yep. I guess we're into we're into uh, finance more than anything else anymore. Yeah, well, this is a topic that we cover quite a bit in the. Uh in our podcasts. Uh, if you ever guys go back and listen to some of the stuff we talk about, I mean, it's, it's right along these lines and like, where does the line drawn and, and that kind of thing. But it's interesting. I mean, I've never even thought in a million years that the guy, I mean, I understand the idea of getting your design out there is a, I mean, that's a good idea, but it's, I always feel like you guys are in such a, uh, a different place with, with your market and things like that. And I understand if you're trying to, broaden that horizon but it's it's a, it's a strange thing brought, for me to was brought to us and it was come came completely out of left field who wants to reproduce art knives mm. and art. i mean i i think it, i think it's fantastic that they actually want to try we don't even know if they'd be successful in being able to do it yeah but the deal was they'll pay us anyway <laughs> but that's right. hard you know the, they the have, one that i'm they want to try they really want to try and that's that is, I think, is the coolest thing there is. Mm. Trying to do it. I mean, <laughs> That's got to make you feel good, you know? Well, there's only so much that you can do with a machine when it comes to these carved pieces. Sure. Access machines, blah, blah, blah. But, but still, when it comes down to it, it's going to come down to handwork. Wow. I can't wait yeah, to I see mean, what happens with that. Yeah, that's yeah. this could be very forward thinking on their part because this... Yeah. I mean, there's the market's got to go somewhere new eventually, and maybe back towards art knives, you know, away from tactical those, stuff. Those could end up. Those could, those could end up in a you know a numbered edition in, in jewelry store. Yeah, if there's success. Uh, well, yeah, branching out is never a bad thing. It's not much different when you think about it from like the William Henry uh, models, right? Isn't yeah. that kind of like what his what he does? Yeah, those I, are like custom. When, when, or he, when I say he, I don't even know if he's an actual person. William Henry has done a fantastic job. The only thing they are lacking is competition. Yeah, there's right. no one else that does what they do. They're basically nope. like production art knives. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've gone after the jewelry market. They've been very successful. But without, but but if they had some competition, their sales would go up twenty percent at least. So, if you guys had a production knife company, what would you call it? Good touch question. of touch. <laughs> Probably touch knives. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Or t- how about touch yourself? No, I probably have to. I probably have to find one of the artsy people to uh, come up with a you know whole branding campaign for me before I could answer that. Yeah, the the slogan could be "When I think about you, I." I you're <laughs> off pun duty. Exactly. I I knew this episode was going to be a disaster with the puns because listen, William and Eric I, don't, I, let, don't I, let them get you down. I think it's fantastic. It's a great idea. Yeah, of course, the dad here likes the dad jokes. Is Touch Knives not a good enough name for a production company? I, I oh, I didn't even hear it. Spot on. What, what was it? I may, maybe I maybe it all broke up at that time. What did you say? Oh, convenient. Touch Knives. Yeah, that's just her name. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that they, is your name. They don't need a bad pun from you, Levon. You've already screwed up naming one knife. Oh man. Oh, that's right. I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I wonder if uh, you guys will get a season desist from Benchmade about the Axis name. Oh shit! Yeah. You guys are fucked. Is that a thing? Yes. It's possible. Oh, oh, shit. Don't they actually have a model called the Axis Flipper? Yep, you guys are doomed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Famous if that happened. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't no such thing as bad bad publicity. People are very defensive about that. See, that's what I keep telling them. Brian. Maybe we'll have to look into that. Well, what do you guys think would be a better name then if we can't take access? Oh, don't ask Levon. He's already named a knife that got Brian in trouble, so... <laughs> Listen, it was a gr- it's a great friggin' name. I don't care who says it. And yeah. I've named two knives, by the way. What other one yeah, did you what name? Was, what were the knives? Okay, the John... No, I didn't name the slut. That's all John Gray. <laughs> I, named, I named the... Uh, what's it called? The Splitter. Oh, the splitter, the splitter, <laughs> and then and uh, the nemesis, but that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Not the knife, just the name. <laughs> the knife, the knife was is is incredible. The the, the naming, the naming uh, turned out to be uh, I don't know, entertaining that's, that's at least. Bad as me. Yeah, that's almost as bad as me uh, naming my my fabrication company Harbinger. Well, is that Harbinger, a thing? Harbinger is usually an evil connotation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, like, it's something that's going to be bringing, like, a harbinger of doom. Hubert is the harbinger of spring, you know, but... <laughs> I didn't quite go that way, but, uh... <laughs> I didn't expect them to be so metal, Dave. Yeah, that's a great name. Yeah. Harbinger. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, this is, this is a fancy... BBA, you know? <laughs> I don't even care how this podcast turns out. I'm just having a blast. Yeah, I think it's turning out great. Are you guys having fun? I'm, as long as you guys are having fun, that's what this What's is all better about. Better than talking knives with a bunch of guys. <laughs> uh, when you do throw, that? Some, throw some corn knives into the mix, and yeah. then all, all yeah. shit hits the fan. Yeah, the only thing better than talking knives with a bunch of guys is talking about knives with nudity with a bunch of guys. <laughs> I don't know. F- flinging cold cuts on strippers' asses is pretty fun too. <laughs> what? Ooh, what? Talk Portland. That's what you got to come to Portland for. We got more strip clubs per capita than anywhere in the world. Hmm. Talk about a sausage party. 
Well, that's and pretty much. <laughs> and microbrews, yes. Yeah, that, that I can get behind. And knives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a few companies out there. Does it say you can carry anything you want? Yeah, I had, I had a friend that visited Eugene recently, and I saw the pictures, and I was just like, this can't be a real place. Oregon can't be this pretty. <laughs> well, it really isn't. <laughs> but he did, he did a good job with the pictures, at least. But, yeah, I, yeah. Photoshop, and, you know, yeah. You know, they have Photoshop workshops out here. I, I believe that. Guys, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, it's been Great. awesome. Very informative. Sit. Seriously. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Is there anything you guys want to get out there? Uh, tell us where we can reach you. Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, touchknives.com. Everything's touchknives, C-U-C-H. Uh, we got a YouTube channel just getting started. You know, I got a first video of us getting some of our uh, moving process going on, but we're going to be getting more uh, in-depth behind the scenes, work in progress videos, things of that possibly, nature. Possibly including a, a 360-degree camera. Oh, that would be uh, cool. cool. The camera pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, we're just we're just happy to be uh, a part of this new community. We really like to meet uh, all the all the people that are collecting these knives, and anyone that wants one, feel free to, to contact us and, and get on our books. We'll get you a knife made. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see you guys at at New York. I can't wait to get my hands on one of these knives. You're gonna bring any with you? We'll definitely have a few axes. Going to work on having maybe a dual action or two. No, you can't have a dual action in New Jersey. Oh, that's true. We're no, not really supposed to do that. Ah. And whatnot. But, uh, yeah. I swear that knife's not a switchblade. We never know for sure what we're going to bring until we're getting on the plane. You know, everything can come down to the last minute sometimes. So. Anything else? Gotcha. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Except Dave's gonna be uh, not there. I'll be in Baltimore, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry. Wasn't that, wasn't that a Cheech and Chong routine? Dave's not here. Yes, it was. <laughs> you have no idea how accurate that statement actually is. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to show my age here and say I have no fucking idea of what that is. I know who oh, Chi Chong are. I do not know the skit at all. He, he's showing his age. Did you get him a copy of Big Bamboo? Yep. I. Sh sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, as usual, guys, thank you all for listening. Uh, check out our website, knifenuts.net. Um, you know, as, as always, I'm Levon. You can find me on Instagram, Metal Levon. And I am Jake. <laughs> and if I live, I'll be Whiskey Bibble Jake. Another day. I'm Dave. You can find me at underscore Misanthropia on Instagram, Misanthropia, Bladeforms, and YouTube. And I'm Brian. You can get me on Instagram. I'm going to let you just contact me this time. I'm not going to be a douche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Appreciate Ten episodes. Ten episodes in the box. Yeah. Double digits. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, William and Aaron.